0: Hi, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Playing in the Sandbox, Conversations in Pedagogy. My name is Katherine Troyer. I am the Assistant Director of the Collaborative for Learning and Teaching here at Trinity University a brief origin story for this podcast. One of the questions I wrestle with a lot is, what is the difference between a good professor and a great professor? The more I think about this question, the more I am convinced that the answer is play. Play sounds like a really simple concept. And I think often people think of games or gamification when they hear that word. But to me, play is actually like a fundamental component of who we are as humans, because it's that spark of curiosity and that drive to find out answers that dictates and shapes so much of of who we become as people. Play is about asking that question, I wonder what happens if, what would happen when, and then doing something about it, seeing the results making adjustments and doing it again. That is what it means to play a game and that's also what it means to just play. And play comes with rules, but it also comes with passion and interest. And I think that play is what makes great professors because they know how to pull out that curiosity and passion from their students. One of the many ways that we can incorporate play meaningfully into our courses is through discussion. Discussion is both a tool for promoting play, but I also think it is and can be a form of play itself, which is why I've devoted the last couple of episodes to various facets of play. So I had one episode where I looked at the idea of getting more people to respond and and hearing from everyone, and I devoted an episode to this idea that discussion is not just about this call and response sort of act, it is about forming a conversation. Today I wanna talk about what it means to have discussion be a way that we have our students be co-creators of knowledge. The phrase co-creators of knowledge uh, is one that I'm taking from Stephen D. Brookfield and Stephen Preskill's book, Discussion as a Way of Teaching. In there they offer these 15 benefits of discussion, things that they think students and faculty benefit from when they engage regularly in class discussions. And it ranges from hearing from different people to being able to learn to synthesize information. This idea of co-creators of knowledge is really interesting to me, though, because it implies that knowledge is not just about the attaining of information. It's really about the acquisition and curation of information. And it's about thinking, how do we create a theoretical or practical understanding of a subject and if we think about knowledge in the sort of more curatorial aspect, then it is possible to create knowledge, to create systems of knowledge, and we can do that through discussion. And that act of creation, the act of creating something, is itself a form of play. In the other two episodes about discussion, I was able to provide some sort of really easy immediate things that you can put into any class that you're currently teaching that will allow for the discussion to be richer and more conversation-based. It's a little harder to offer sort of easy answers to this idea of using discussion to help students become co-creators of knowledge because this is a more systemic change. This is about really carefully thinking about discussion as a form of active learning where students are helping to assemble the pieces into a picture that makes sense. Making these large changes is worth it because What we are doing by helping our students to become co-creators of knowledge is helping them to move along the spectrum from being a novice in a field to being an expert. And of course, that won't happen in one semester or even in four years of an undergraduate career. But as James M. Ling discusses in Small Teaching, the difference between a novice and an expert is not simply the amount of information that they've acquired. Rather, it's actually about the ability to create relationships between all of these different moving pieces and to build connections that are meaningful. And having our students to become co-creators of knowledge Is having them engage in that process of seeing how the things that we're talking about in class intersect and work together. One of the first things we have to do is to help students to understand that knowledge is being created so that they can see that they can become co-creators in part because you yourself are creating the system of knowledge as it's going to be understood in the next 15 or 16 weeks. This means a couple of things. It means being open to having a discussion about your course design why did you choose the text that you did? What is the relationship between the things that they're looking at at the beginning of the semester and the things that they're going to be looking at later in the semester? How do the assignments fit into things? And so some of it's about just sharing this is how this course has been created and this is the system of knowledge that I'm hoping to share with you this semester. It also means talking to them about what is often called the systems model of creativity, where we have a domain, a field, and a person, and there's sort of this constant interaction between things. And so we have an individual who comes up with something novel, whether that's the discovery of a scientific principle or a novel, and then they submit it or it goes through the field, which is the gatekeepers. And these are the people, the peer reviewers, that decide whether or not something is, quote, worthy of becoming part of this larger system. And then once the gatekeepers have approved something, it enters selectively into the big domain. And the domain is the stuff that people know about. It's our understanding of a system of knowledge, which then trickles back down to the individual who says, "Okay, here's what's already existing. What can I contribute to this? And just having that conversation of how that relationship works allows students to see that all domains, all disciplines are created and again curated. And so this is a great place that we can begin our conversation by simply getting students to discuss how knowledge is created. You could go 2.0 on that and you could actually have students help to design a course or help to design a certain part of a course. This isn't an option for all subjects. This isn't an option for all classes, but you could have the first, I don't know, 10 weeks be your creation of knowledge that you are going to be engaging with and then have the students help decide the last five weeks What are they going to bring to the table? How do they think this topic can be enriched by looking at this other topic? Again, this is like a massive undertaking and it's a very scary undertaking, but you could make the entire course design a continuous discussion of what should and should not be included. There are, of course, a lot of less sort of terrifying ways that you can encourage students to engage in this co-creation of knowledge. And it could be as simple as you talking to them about your research and sharing with them how you're creating knowledge in your own specific field and how that relates to the course, how their thoughts have maybe shaped something that you've been thinking about. If you are working on a manuscript and you realize that a conversation the class had is informing your understanding, share that with them so that they can see how that's happening. It could be as simple as asking them to find something in the quote outside world that they have to bring in that has helped them to better understand the concept that you've been talking about. And this works, I think, very obviously for people in the humanities as a like, well, of course, we can bring in real world news and things like that. But I've heard some incredibly interesting assignments where math professors, for example, have said, this is the subject that we're learning. Find a way that you are having your world outside of this class shaped by the ideas that you're now coming up with here. And what happens again is that they begin to realize that they are shaping this thing that has been learned in the classroom to fit within their world. Floyd Chung talks about, in a 2019 article for the National Teaching and Learning Forum, the idea of preparatory notes. He talks about this idea that we should think about how we can individualize our teaching and learning in the classroom, but in a sustainable way. Originally, he used to do the more typical response papers, but now he has students turn in what he calls preparatory notes. At least two hours before a class, students have to email with this 250 word note response, and in the syllabus it says, quote, these notes are a way mainly for you to gather your thoughts and secondarily for me to get a sense of what is on your mind. You might write a brief reaction paper, pose some questions, share your observations on a striking formal feature, passage, or pattern, describe a connection between the primary and secondary readings, or explain a connection between the reading and your own life, another class you're taking, etc, etc. He says that he responds with a brief email before class, sometimes encouraging students to share their ideas and to follow up with him. That's a lot of work to do, though. So what he does is he limits his responses to two sentences, one that says, thank you for observing this. And then the second sentence takes forms like, consider asking about this in class today or when we discuss this I'd like for you to share what you've noticed. He has to block off of course two hours before his class begins and he divides up how he does it so that on a Tuesday class he might share students whose last names begin with A through L and on a Thursday class M through Z. There's lots of ways to do this but What is happening is, is that it is clear to the students, not just that they're having thoughts after, but that their thoughts are are actually shaping the direction that a class is going to take. And so they will see that they are impacting explicitly the creation of knowledge that is happening in a given day. One technique that I use is something that I dub a team teaching activity where students are required to meet with me ahead of time a week before their assigned date and by then they have to have already accessed the material for that upcoming class period. What they have to do is come up with a nugget that they want the students to walk away with. Here's the one thing that I think is most important about what we are talking about today. And then they have to create questions that will help students to see the various nuances of that particular nugget. They also have to come up with an activity that helps to sort of bring that nugget to light through active learning. On the given day of their team teaching activity they take the lead on the conversation and so that means calling on people but that also means helping people to understand the nugget that they feel is most important students really respond positively to this activity because they see it as an opportunity to hear from their fellow classmates but also to help determine what it is that we're going to be looking at regarding this really big topic Again, this isn't something that's going to work for every class, but there are ways that you can take that big idea and sort of break it down into a smaller, more manageable for your particular course uh, type assignment. Another way that you could help students to become co-creators of knowledge is by showing them different systems of arriving at certain conclusions and allowing them to test different methods so that it's not just about the knowledge, it's about the journeys of the knowledge that they are beginning to think about. In a February 2019 article, Tom Abate talks about how Stanford used this idea in one of their engineering classes. So this was a chemical engineering class and the students were divided into small teams and each had to devise a way to measure how much biofuel they produced in an experiment. And then what happened was the students would then share out not only their progress reports, but also how they chose their method, which method may or may not have been more effective. And so students are actually designing their own experiments in this case so that they can make mistakes. And then this is really key, share their experiences and then improve their techniques through iteration. So active learning in this form, this discussion of of how do we arrive at this knowledge? How do we build it? How do we shape it? Can happen regardless of whether you're teaching a humanities class or a STEM class. It's really about thinking, what does it mean to create knowledge? And how can we have students feel as though we are wanting them to be partners in this creation and not just passive recipients that we sort of shove information at? Discussion is one way to do that because we are asking and soliciting their feedback and if students know that we are going to use that information to shape the look of a specific lecture, the look of a specific week uh, or unit of study or even an entire course, they are going to engage in in a way of thinking about knowledge that is much more sophisticated than when we are just providing them with information and hoping that they absorb it. Thank you so very much for joining me for this last discussion about discussion. I hope you will join me for our the next podcast where I'm gonna look at lectures. People too often see lectures and discussion as being on opposite ends of the spectrum, and so there must be a right or wrong. I'm gonna advocate that lecture can be also an effective way to help students engage in play, but we have to think about it very carefully. Until then, thank you so much.